Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. to the Lardcast. Cheers, Russ. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. And good morning to all of you Larks out there. Oh, welcome to the Lardcast. What's up, peoples? What's up, peoples of the world? Peoples of the world. There's probably a song named that somewhere, isn't there? No, that's We Are the World. We are the world. Yeah. Dude, you remember Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan in that thing? <laughs> They're all singing, and Bob Dylan's just sitting there like, dude, why am I here? He's not singing at all. He's just like looking around. <laughs> He's like, this is yeah. so dumb. I remember standing out in front of my elementary school, man, in a big giant circle holding hands, singing that song with a news helicopter flying over us. Mm. Tampa Bay News recording that. I didn't know any of the words, so I was just holding hands. That definitely was the uh, the feel good song of the eighties for sure. Yeah, man, rallying people to to grab hands with your neighbor, grab you hands, know, and be unified. We are the world. Yeah, yeah we are. Speaking of the world. Yeah, speaking of the world, I was going to pull up the uh, lyrics to that song, but that's going to take too long. Yeah, speaking of the world, we were talking pre-show, and you know it's funny because we have a um, an encouragement from Paul here to stand yeah. firm, you know, stand firm. And, you know, growing up, in the church or youth group or whatever, you would always hear like stand firm, like against the world, you know, against Satan and his devices. He's like a lion prowling around seeking to whom he can devour. And of course, like, you know, the devil's not creative in and of himself. He just, you know, steals and distorts, but he hates Christ and the gospel and those who find freedom in it. And, you always thought like, oh, the church is like this, you know, this is God's zone, you know, the church religion is God's zone, you know? Yes. And you're we safe. are in safety You're patrols. safe here. You're <laughs> safe here in general. And the world is out there. That's all those, you know, that's all those people um, that don't go to church, that don't trust in Jesus. Um, and, you know, you're people always who are this- watching the Grammys. and voting democrat Uh, (laughs) all those things that we that you probably heard in the church world those people who had a beer during the super bowl game (laughs) yep yep if you're you know you're encouraged to stand firm against the the world yeah um but one of my big takeaways from when we went through the gospel of john was um 
the the biggest um enemy really the thing that jesus was fighting against most was the religious the jewish religious establishment yeah and when jesus re refers and uses the word world he's referring to the judaizers mm -hmm. the religious establishment it's the wisdom of the world because if you wanted to see conditionality um at its finest it's religion yeah great point man yeah that's how paul kicks off chapter five i love it for freedom it's it's dude it's like two of my favorite words probably put together you know what i mean in all of scripture it's just like the summary of all that the bible has been pointing us to mm. for this reason because of this reason okay not so that you could get it to together not so that the world would straighten up and fly right and we'd finally make something of this thing that you know that's that we seem to constantly distort as humans but no for freedom christ set you free mm. and then it goes right into what you were just saying man so stand firm and therefore do not submit again to a yoke of slavery mm -hmm. he's not referencing some slavery out there in the big broad bad world right that sometimes we're told about mm -hmm. no don't submit yourself again to the yoke of religion. Mm -hmm. This guilt management system, this, this list of practices and disciplines that you need to go and walk in and carry out and perfect. And that's for, that's why you need each other in some form of community so that you can become this person that God desires that can use for the sake of the world. Guys, that's, that's slavery. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't go back to this. Yeah. I know it appeals to everything that's in you. I know it dangles freedom like a carrot in front of you. I know that it's appealing because it offers a sense of control. And that's something that humans seem to really struggle with, is letting go of that myth of control. And so when someone comes along, with different things that you can check off and participate in to obtain that sense of control, to, to align that destiny, right. With the goals that you've set, mm -hmm. it's tempting, but it's, yeah. but it's slavery. It's I was slavery. just, That's I was just having this conversation with my sister-in-law, Melanie. And, you know, I remember um, when I became a Christian and I met, Pam before she was my wife and her sister, Melanie, man, I was just sharing my story and, you know, just freedom in Christ and good news and saw both of them grab onto that. And, you know, they mm -hmm. got, we all got baptized shortly, you know, after that was a really cool, cool season. But, uh, we were just talking about, I was just sharing about like work a little bit, you know, and, and like, I'm good at some things, but like organization and like a lot of things that come with like owning a business that I'm like very much not good at, but I'm forced to go do. And, um, you know, and she was like, well, you know, you know, do you keep a, you know, a calendar and like, you know, this and that, cause she's very much like that personality type. She's like, man, it just brings me a sense of relief and a sense of freedom to see everything kind of like laid out, you know, and, and, and it gives me a, a sense and an idea of control in which there's a lot of truth to that. Like when I have like, when yeah. I organize my week and I know kind of like what I'm doing, it's very helpful versus the, you know, what I described as sometimes I feel like I'm on like this, like level five, like whitewater raft 
kind of thing. You know, I'm just like barreling down this river, dude, bouncing from rock to rock. <laughs> um, and so it, you know, there is a sense of, you know, there is good, you know, in, in all that stuff. But she was like, man, like I find myself being controlled by that sometimes. Like nothing can interfere, you know, mm -hmm. with this. And so it's a tricky thing, you know, to have the boundaries, the control to set it all up and, and, and all that. But man, quickly it becomes the yoke of, of slavery. Yeah. And I think that that's what the, is just such a, it, it's a subtle, it's a subtle deception, which is why I think Paul is like taking so much time to help them, you know, come back to freedom. Uh, yep. Because there's, it's the, the slavery of religion is, is veiled and layered in a lot of quote unquote good things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why he keeps, you know, as we've been walking through this, you know, on the podcast and seeing like in chapter three, chapter four, you see this interplay between like covenant and law. Right. I think that's why Paul's taking so much time, as you just mentioned, to sort of lay that foundation for people. Right. He's, he's sort of bringing them backwards and going this law that you're looking to this, the, the do's and the don'ts and thinking that my ability to walk into this and perfect this to live in obedience, as some people would say, um, that this is where freedom is found. This is where union with God is found. And it's, of course, not walking in these things that union is lost or my faith isn't, you know, there's no works to justify. There's all those phrases, right, that are thrown around in Christianity from from people who are just constantly misquoting Bible verses. Um, but I think that's why he's been just doing this is like, no, 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 no. This covenant that God made, this one-way covenant, you are my people. I'm announcing this. I'm the one that's announced it. I'm the one that's carrying it through, through the offspring, my son, Jesus, God in the flesh, who will come. You'll celebrate it at Christmas. It's called the incarnation. He comes through Abraham. Yeah. I'm taking care of all of that. And then 400 something years later, Hey, Moses, here's the law. You know, that thing that's written on everybody's heart, this conscious, right. That's in us of things that are good and not good where harmony's found and lost. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and publish that. And this law is a good thing. And when you look to it as, a, as a, I think it's, it's twofold, which I think is what Paul's getting to here. And I, again, I think, He's been building this case. It's not that the law has no purpose. It does. And it's not just that the law's only purpose is to be a mirror. Yes, he refers to it as the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. Um, it does work like a mirror in the sense that any hope of you somehow obtaining a righteousness of your own and maintaining that righteousness is quickly lost with any honest look at what the law says in your human ability. The elementary principles of the world, he refers to it as twice yeah. in this book. Yeah, so the, this thing has a purpose. It's a guardian, right, that delivers you to the teacher whose name is Jesus and whom you right, live and dwell. Um, but he also, I think, is showing us that the other side of the law, the flip side of that coin, that's purpose in a sense, is like it also simultaneously is showing you what it means to be human. It is. It's showing you what to, is to be human. To actually be human is is to not live as a slave to false gods, but to actually live in dependence on the one and only God. Hmm. 
who made you to live independence upon him. To be human, right, is not to have to work seven days a week to justify yourself. It's actually being able to trust the God who's above you and take a day off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to be human is not to steal from your neighbor. It's actually to be content with what you have. To be human is not to murder someone that's standing in your way, but to just trust the Lord to move in something and possibly not have to murder that individual, <laughs> even if you do drive on I-4 in the state of Florida. So I'm just saying that it's, it's yes, it's crushing, but also on the flip side, like it's a picture of what it means to be human. To be human, I'm just going to say this, and this to me is something I've learned over the years that's been helpful. To be human is to be dependent on the God who created you to live in that beautiful, perfect fellowship of dependency. You see it in the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, perfect dependency upon one another. We were made in his image. It would only make sense to, right, to live into that same dependency. Mm -hmm. This is what it means to be human, to be alive. So to be human is to be dependent. To be dependent is to be free. And dude, I get it because being dependent is so frustrating. I, yeah. You know, being in you control, want the calendar. <laughs> being in control feels empowering. It feels free. Um, and you know, man, we're so focused on transformation in the church. Yes. We're so focused on sanctification. It's like the new idol. It's like yeah, it's like everything in the missional world. It was impact, you know from just like the more like personal focus of some of the churches. It's like, just, man, we're so focused on sanctification, growing, becoming, yep. becoming, transforming. And we're not, we're not denying that, you know, <laughs> like we're not saying that that doesn't, that doesn't happen, but it's just above our pay grade. <laughs> it's above our pay grade. And yeah, the way it's, the way it's cooked is like, if you do these things, if you sign up for all this, like, you know, this calendar stuff at the church, like, you know, this is your jump on this on ramp. Here's the on ramps to the highway of becoming like Christ and being a fully devoted follower of, of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and it feels, it feels like freedom, but yeah. it's not. And dependence is frustrating. It totally is. Yeah. It is. It's life giving and frustrating. It is where life is found, where freedom is found. To no longer have to do, think about this, man. To no longer have to define myself by anything that I do. To no longer have to live in that exhausting madness of trying to hide the junk of my life. Mm -hmm. To no longer have to look at the people in and around me as someone to fix to no longer look at my goals in the future as something that I need to control as if the future somehow has been guaranteed as if today is not the only day, right. That I've actually been given to be able to sit down with somebody who's sharing their struggles and be able to look at them right in the eye and say, yeah, I too struggle with that. Let me tell you about the one who set us free, even in our struggle, the one who became sin for us, the one who died for us, as the scriptures say, while we were sinners, not died for us when we got it together. The one who actually loves the real you, not the imaginary you. And as Kate I'm just says, saying, they're, oh. we're spending so much of our time trying to become the kind of people that Jesus would never have to die for. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. And thinking that that's, well, that's what the world needs. The world needs Christians to step up and actually really be like Jesus so that, you know, then they'll all come running. And I'm like, really? A, a species that's in love with control is going to openly and joyfully admit their death and live in dependence upon God because you, because you shoveled their driveway. Seriously, that's like where we're at right now. I feel like it's just, it's undermining and so much, it, it, it just undermines like just humanity, man. Mm. Like people, yes, people are frail, but they're also smart, right? Yeah, we struggle, but we're also brilliant. You know what I mean? Like I'm just saying, like, I think we just need to hang that up, man. And I think that's what Paul's taking the task here. He's not telling them to live in freedom from this, as you said, the big bad world that's outside. He's actually... What he's pointing to that's enslaving you is the religion that's carrying Jesus's name. Yeah. Think about that. That's what's enslaving you. So it's for freedom, for the purpose and end goal of freedom. Christ set us free. Yeah. Past tense. And, already done. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So freedom is a given. He's saying you are free. Yep. I think what's um, sobering about this passage is freedom. While it's this, it's this fixed thing that's rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Something that God has done. It it's not um, dependent on how we trust it or how we don't trust it. So it is actual good news not potentially good news and it, it's magic doesn't work yeah. based on your opinion of it or grabbing hold of it. Mm. But the sobering thing about this, this passage here is, man, this is something you can sever yourself from in your desire to control. Yeah. You can, you can find yourself working against and moving away from this fixed reality of freedom found in Jesus. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. Stand firm, therefore, in this. And then later on, he's saying, here, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, if you accept a life of the law, a life of whatever, capital L law, lowercase l law, like, yep. like whatever, the, the 10 Effort. questions, the 10 questions you have to answer every time you get together with your small group or your LTG, your life transformation <laughs> crew, whatever it is, right? Yeah. All these little, you know, things or even the influencers on Instagram telling you how to get fit and how to get rich and, you know, all that. If you accept that as a like a foundational way of life. Mm -hmm. Christ will be of no advantage to you. Yeah. To me, this, this, this verse flies right, right in the face of a quote that gets passed around a lot right now, man, from Dallas Willard, uh, that grace, grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. And, and so that gets passed around under that pathology of transformation that's become like the new idol now, where everything in Christianity is somehow supposed to be about us seeing the person we're supposed to be and then working together to become those people through practices 
still da, da, da. and then of course the and then whenever that's challenged from Galatians, it's no, no, Dallas Willard was correct. Race is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort, but Paul's literally saying the opposite of that here. Right here. Circumcision is if, if you know, I would encourage anyone out there, just drop the word effort into that. It is a life of effort, it is a life of looking at the fullness of the law and setting out to keep that to help you become this person that you think God loves and needs. And so he's saying, if you accept effort, okay, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. If your life of faith, which is the life, as the scriptures say, is a life centered on trusting in him, Jesus, who is unseen, all right? If you swap that out for a life of what you can see, what you can see, and that's what you're measuring, that's what you're mapping, okay? Then Christ is of no advantage to you. I testify to you again, every man who accepts circumcision, every man who accepts a life of effort, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. 100% effort in and, everything. And, and everything, right? Not just your deed, but even your intent. The intent your thought. I mean, I'm just, let's just be honest, man. Anybody, right? It's like throw your thought life into this. And it's like, okay, which again is what <laughs> Jesus unfails that for in the Sermon on the Mount. Cause he's got this camp that thinks as long as they're not, as long as they're not acting on these things outwardly in the flesh, it's somehow they're not guilty of it. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to keep this entire thing. Verse four. And this is what you were speaking to earlier. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Hmm. Dude, how many times in the church world did you hear that if you messed up and looking at something that you shouldn't have, like on a computer, or you were hanging out with your girlfriend in a way that you shouldn't have, or you cheated on your taxes, <laughs> or you cut off some dude and gave him the bird, or you know what I mean? Or you're struggling with this thing over here that you've fallen away from grace. Think about that. Think about the irony in that. Paul's literally yeah. saying the opposite here. He's right. saying you've fallen away from grace if you have chosen to pursue religion mm -hmm. as your union with God. Yep. Bro, he's not saying that God's grace is not over you. He's not even saying that your union right isn't there. He's saying you have chosen to sever yourself. Yeah from the very one who is your life, your death, your resurrection. Right. The one whose grace was given before the beginning of time. Yeah, it's not as, a conditional as, thing. As Second like Timothy you, tells us. If you walk away from this, cool, God pulls it away. No, it's a fixed news. It's a reality. Yeah. You're choosing to run over here in all this effort and religion. And Paul's like, listen, these things are not compatible. No. They're not compatible at all. Mm -mm. One's a One life, is of, a life trust, of control. One's a life of toil. Yep. Sorry, that was funny how we were kind of both going there at the same <laughs> time. <laughs> I'm sure you had one alliterated version and I had another one. Yeah, dude, like this phrase, this is where we get it. You fell away from, you fell away from grace. 
And it was all the time of like, man, so and so stopped showing up for church and small group every week, you know. <laughs> and they're out drinking think? at the they're out drinking at the bars, which like you know we're not condoning that either or whatever, you know, because like you know community's good and you know, dude, if you're just in your heart like running in rebellion, um, because you know there's, there's grace, no harmony in that. Know, yeah, rebellion's the same way, but we never problematize religion. We never problematize our own righteousness. Yeah. It, it, it's, man, I just saw a couple clips this week where, you know, just good news is getting presented by this pastor as the better life and, you know, trusting him. And the opposite of that is always a life of rebellion. There's never like, dude, if you're like trying really, really hard, yeah. you know, to be righteous in and of yourself um, or saying yes to every single calendar piece in this thing, thinking that it's going to bring about, you know, this righteousness. It's, it's a little frustrating, but. Well, it kind yeah, of you draws you back along. into the, the prodigal story, right? Mm. You've got the younger brother and the older brother. You've got a younger brother who's ran off into a life of rebellion and the older brother who's, dug his heels in into a life of religion. But as Jesus tells that story, you've got this prodigal, reckless, scandalous, loving father that pursues both. Mm -hmm. But what's funny, man, is that that story ends with Jesus talking to the very crowd that Paul's talking to here in Galatians, the religious crowd. And in that prodigal story, the rebellious wild son who was dying in his rebellion finds resurrection in the father. The older brother who's dying in his religion, in his effort to becoming this person he's supposed to become, someone who's not living independence, he's actually living in independence, someone who's not living in trusting dad, he's living a life of toil, is standing outside at the end of that story, missing the very party that he was created for. Yep. And, and that's what grabbing onto a life of effort will do it will make you uh grow in disdain for grace because you've grabbed onto an atmosphere and a culture of you know earning yeah. and so when grace is freely given you know or people just get in you know scotch free and just waltz in you know, yeah. um, beating their breasts, saying just five words, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Um, you you grow in disdain for grace. Yeah. You get angry like that older brother whose arms are, you know, folded and eyebrow is eyebrows are down, and you know, he's pissed that the father's throwing a party, that he yeah. would lavish him with, you know, such grace. He didn't work hard for this funny when you think about it man because you got this uh this thing that's being held up as as faithfulness is faithlessness yeah it's not faithful right it's faithless and i think that's why paul's so adamant like you have what you were pursuing in the name of faithfulness is actually slavery it's keeping you from the freedom that christ set you free for you've been invited into a life with jesus a life of trusting him Transformation is good and beautiful, but it is above your pay grade, and the Spirit's not hiring. 
And so this life of trust is this life of just walking in what you see the Lord doing in and through you and around you and enjoying that and enduring the hard times in that and then watching transformation, right, happen as he sees fit in his time in you and others. It's actually a very beautiful, freeing life. And there's a lot of solidarity in it because everyone around you, you see as just equal with you. Flawed, frail human beings who've been invited into a life of trusting in who Jesus is and what he's already done and where he's always been. Mm. So guys, stop grabbing onto this religion that you're that you're pursuing and thinking that this is it. This is actually faithless. It's slavery. It's robbing you. It's robbing others. Did you not know that if this is your plan, you have to actually keep the whole thing in word, thought, and deed from birth? Do you not see that you're an utter failure in this already? God's not grading on a curve. <laughs> you know? Guys, seriously, this is where you're at? Are you seriously severing yourself from the very union you have? Well, what do you mean union? Well, Ephesians 4, is he not the father who's above all, through all, and in all? Did the Apostle Paul not talk to the Areopagus, to a bunch of unbelieving intellectuals, and point to their statue to the unknown God in Acts 17 and say, for even this one that, you're, that you guys have known is there, did you not know that it's in him that you live and move and have your being? That's what he says to them. They haven't even believed yet. He's not saying that faith is not the thing that awakens us to fellowship with God. He's just saying that this idea that he's somehow far off is a foreign concept. Mm -hmm. This is the very one in which you were made for, to live in. The one who reconciled all things, Colossians 1 tells us, and made peace by the blood of his cross. Why are you severing yourself from reality, is what he's literally saying. Mm. You guys are delusional. Yep. And you're dying in your delusion. It's just that thirst to grab on to um, and want to see. We want to see. You know, we want we want the proof so bad. And we end up like Abraham in our waiting, so frustrated that we begin to just take it, you know, take the bull by the horns, mm -hmm. grab onto it ourselves. And then we go and hang out with the slave woman in ways that we shouldn't, to borrow a line from, from you from earlier. You know, <laughs> yeah. Abraham was hanging out with his girlfriend in ways he shouldn't. And yeah. he produced... um you know, the son of slavery. Um, and I, it, you know, it goes to verse five for through the spirit by faith or through the spirit by faith, you know, this righteousness, like in an ultimate sense was promised long ago in and through Abraham, God was going to bring about the righteousness of Jesus. I think this righteousness he's referring to here in verse five for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. That's what mm -hmm. they're wanting is this righteousness, this tangible thing that I can see that I can map and measure and manage. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. I want to grab onto it. I want to see it. I want to, I want to know that this righteousness is there mm -hmm. in my life. Um, you end up being like Abraham. You're trying to bring it about. You're trying to, you're trying to bring this thing about that was, that was already promised instead of sitting in, you're waiting and sitting in your dependency as frustrating as that is 
And we admit it totally is frustrating. And even as people who are railing against this life of religion, we have this in ourselves, Russ and I, we have this for sure. But I love how he says, like, this is something that we eagerly wait for. So again, it's above our pay grade. Some of this transformation, some of this righteousness, some of this fruit that we're so obsessed with, it will come in our lives. It will be brought about in certain ways. But dude, a lot of times it just, you know, we sound like Paul, who's just begging multiple times for a thorn to be removed from the flesh. Um, And maybe sometimes it's not going to be answered or maybe it's not now. Mm -mm. Um, But either way, you know, the answer is still the same. My grace is sufficient. Why? Because it's not the tangible things that we could see. It's not the progress. It's not the personal landmarks of holiness and transformation and those kinds of things. It literally is the mystery, the fixed mystery of the righteousness of Jesus, the love of God, the presence of God, the promise of God, the covenant of God. I will never leave you, never forsake you. Yes. And just sitting in that, trusting in that, rejoicing in that, even when everything around you looks like it's out of control or you're not getting the things that you're begging for, you can be like Abraham and try to make it, make it a go on your own. Or we can heed the words of Paul and just say, just wait and watch. And then walk in the good things that Jesus is doing in your life. Yeah, back up to chapter four, and you'll see all the demise, all the destruction, all the dismantling of humanity that has happened for centuries because of Abraham's choice to not wait. And instead, here's what should be. I'll go make it happen. Even a good thing. Abraham was trying to get this family started that God promised and said was going to happen. So he's like, well, I'll just jumpstart this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody, think about that. That's not Abraham earning a relationship with God. That's Abraham bringing effort to a grace that doesn't need your effort. Hmm. Never asked for your effort. In fact, you trying to bring effort to it is actually an affront to it. You, you're nullifying the very presence and work of a God who's just invited you to come dance. Yep. Dude. Such a beautiful thing, man. We we wait we to wait. be to be human is to be dependent. To be dependent, right? Is to be free. And man, I hate waiting. And we all do, which makes the appeal yep. of religion just so strong, man. Yes, so strong. It's, it's, that's why it is so appealing. It makes and faith why foolish. It's, dude, it's it's got it's hands down got to be the most deceptive drug in the world. Yeah. Just in how it works, how it's packaged, how it's sold. It's got to be the most deceptive drug in the world, man. Because the addiction to control is there. I get it. I'd live in it and wrestle with it just like everybody else. We just have to keep reminding ourselves and one another that uh, this this thing that we're chasing after, that's slavery, the scriptures say. That's nullifying the gospel. 
That's not a life of trust. That's a life of toil. So let's let's seek the Lord and let's eagerly. It doesn't mean like just sitting back with your feet up, man, right? Like let's eagerly wait hmm. for the hope of righteousness and see what the Lord does. He moves in and through his time and pleasure. Let's be surprised by that. There's a there's a beautiful invitation in it, man. And I'll just say this, you know, in closing, one of the like coolest stories I've read recently. I won't go into great detail here, but one of the stories that I read recently was from Shane Clifton, who's a professor of theology in Australia. Back in 2010, he was playing around on a bike with his family and in front of his kids, dude, had this horrific bike accident. Kind of like those freak accidents, like it shouldn't have been something major. Dude, guy winds up becoming a quadriplegic. And so he wrote this book, Husbands Should Not Break right just about his journey man he speaks candidly uh, michelle writes in referring to it he says clifton speaks candidly about the depression and despair that attended his seven-month rehabilitation from the prince of wales hospital in sydney in the dark night of the soul that soon followed and he set out to write a book man to really just to to be a help to people <laughs> He speaks candidly in this as well as he writes about his desire to not offer inspiration porn. That's what he calls it, dude. He said, but to actually give people a, a tangible picture of what it looks like to live in dependence and the freedom that is found within that as I eagerly wait because that's all I can do. And I'm like, dude, that's such a beautiful picture, man, of the life of faith. He says, to be disabled is to be in a near constant state of sheer vulnerability before others and absolute dependency upon God and neighbor. But please hear me when I say this. Paralysis liberated me. Dude. It liberated me. And I think probably all the more reason why religion could be that deceptive drug is because in a small way we are able we are able in some ways to fix our lives you know oh yeah we're we're good at manufacturing things for sure especially from an external standpoint when it gets yes. into like the heart level you know the thought life that's where you have to start hiding you know yeah you just have and, to keep editing your story to convince and, yourself that you belong but yeah Mm hmm. Yeah. It's not like we aren't able to, you know, bring about some of these things, but it's a false righteousness and it's a false security because it's yeah. rooted in a thing that demands 100% perfection. It's a false freedom. Mm -hmm. It's a false freedom. The law is beautiful in the sense that it crushes. It's also beautiful in the sense that it shows you what it means to be human. But thankfully, we've got a we have a savior instead of a guide or a mentor or an example to follow, but one who we actually take up residence in, who said you're free. So to that, cheers. <laughs>